Reading the Bible Together podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith, and today we are talking about Acts chapter 20. I am really excited about my guest today. I have Associate Pastor of Worship and Teaching at Mill City Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Ashish Baskaran. Welcome, Ashish. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here. Oh, I'm I'm pumped that you asked. This is uh, really, really fun. Yeah, and this is such a great chapter. I, You know, I keep coming back to it as I've read on into other chapters, but I, it feels like this is a real pivot point of of the book of Acts. Yes, yes. And, and full of humor, I think, too. Mm-hmm. As someone who is just starting to learn about teaching and preaching, there is just something funny about Paul's message being so long that it causes someone to fall out of a uh, three-story <laughs> building. <laughs> well, and let's start there. So Eutychus... Yes. Is who falls out of the window. So let's talk about that for a second. And this, if you are following along in the study guide, the question is reflect and write down your thoughts on the strange story of Eutychus. So as you were saying, yeah. he falls out of the window because Paul talks for so long. He he talks forever. And as I was reading this passage myself, I thought, wow. So this whole passage is Paul's kind of preparation to head into his farewell tour. Mm-hmm. And so he's just trying to wrap up a bunch of these relationships. And when I looked at the passage, Paul is speaking to this people. And it's almost like he's trying to fit in everything that he hopes to say before he leaves. And so there's no like big idea. It's just let me cram all that I have to say to you into one massive sermon. Yeah. And it even says since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. And the upstairs, yes. room, I love the way that Luke kind of paints the picture. The upstairs room that we met in was lighted by many flickering lamps. So it was almost like there was no excuse for Eutychus to not stay awake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but but he ends up falling asleep. Well, yeah, and he drops out, drops three story to his death below. So Paul goes down. It, like, it, it's just, it is funny. I didn't, that, you're right. It is funny because then he goes down kind of nonchalantly looks him over, takes him by the yard. Don't worry, he's alive. Then they go back upstairs <laughs> yeah. and Paul continues to talk till dawn. <laughs> well, they like, they eat. It's like nothing happened. It's mm-hmm. just, they they broke bread and he continues talking. So it's like, wow, this person died and then he was raised back to life and now we're going to keep eating and keep talking. That was just normal. Yeah, that's amazing. So yeah, and this is the, because then the second question is, so this is starting Paul's farewell tour. And, you know, mm-hmm. you know, what thoughts do you have or the question in the study guide, what do you think Paul is thinking and feeling as he says goodbye, goodbye to his friends and heads to Jerusalem? What are what are some of the thoughts that you have about that? Yeah, I was trying to think about if I was in Paul's situation, what would I be thinking of in that moment? Um, and when you read Acts chapter 19, it talks about this riot in Ephesus and throughout the verses 13 through 38 of chapter 20, Paul is talking about the hardship that these leaders were about to face. And so one of the questions that I wonder if Paul was asking is, like, I wonder if he was feeling grief. Mm. Like, I'm leaving these people here to fend for themselves. I just had this huge ride at Ephesus. I know that they're going to be facing hardship and I am no longer going to be there to shepherd them. I am going to be away. And it's really on themselves to just trust the Holy Spirit and keep walking and keep moving. Um, And so I I wonder if there was the sense of grief for Paul and just this uncertainty of, oh my goodness, these are almost like a parent raising his children and now his children are stepping out into the real world Mm. and saying, I I can't control what's going on, but I know it's going to be hard. And they're on their own. 
Um, and so I, as I was reading the chapter, I just thought, wow, was Paul feeling a little bit of grief in just leaving these people to fend for themselves? And I almost wonder, is Paul even wondering or asking the question, is my ministry or my impact going to last? Mm. And just thinking, wow, I've, I've developed these churches, but, but this is just a fledgling group of people. And, and this church still needs to gain momentum and disciples need to come and they need to be trained and, and the church is growing, but they are going to face this persecution. And, and I do wonder how much of Paul like was wrestling with this feeling of, I need to let go, um, but feeling a lot of uncertainty and grief about letting go. Yeah, that's really interesting. We see in verse 29, I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come along after you after I leave not sparing the flock. Even some men of your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. I mean, I, I think mm-hmm. you're right that he he's, I mean, what I see is like him grabbing them by the shoulders. Like, do you get it? Do you get it? Like, do you get yep. what's going to happen? Do you get what might happen after I leave? Yep. What, and I, I love, I love that you brought that up because as I was going through it, I found that there are two reminders that Paul really gives these elders. Um, and I thought even for my own life as, as just a leader and, and as someone who pastors the church, um, these are really good reminders for me and probably good reminders for everyone in their everyday spaces. Um, but one of the things that Paul says is he talks about, hey, you're going to face hardship and, and I'm going to face hardship. But then he says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says that in uh, verse 28. And then he says, be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. And I wonder in times of hardship, it's really easy to wonder, did God really call me to do this? Am I really equipped to be in this position? And am I really supposed to be here? And Paul really says, hey, it's going to be hard. But remember, the Holy Spirit chose you and and chose you to be shepherds of this flock. And then when the church gets hard and, and he talks about the wolves coming in and people being drawn aside to follow other things, be on your guard. He, he reminds the elders here, you know what? Not only have you been chosen for this task, but God loves the church and loves these broken people. And God will be with you as you serve these people, no matter how hard it gets. I love what you said about suffering too, because I think sometimes we do equate suffering with things not going well. Like if there is suffering happening, then we must be on the wrong track. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And I I don't think that's true. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, that feels true as like an American in an American church that like, I think that's kind of the feeling that we have. Oh, this is hard. I, I need to change. Or like you said, you start questioning, is this really what God has asked me to do? But sticking with it and going through the suffering, there's a, an intimacy, at least in my own experience, an intimacy that I've gained with God that I would not have had had I not mm-hmm. gone through suf- some suffering. Yes. Well, and, and al- almost in Paul's story of suffering, it's just this reminder that, like you said, there's this intimacy and just the Holy Spirit is with you mm-hmm. in the suffering. And even Paul's like, I'm going to go and going to face prison and, and all these things the Holy Spirit has revealed to me. But it just seems like Paul knows, you know, God's going to be with me even in the midst of this hardship. And that's something that I can cling to and something that's worth leaning into. Um, even when I, I just feel like everything in front of me is so overwhelming. In uh, verse 22, it says, and now I am bound by the spirit mm-hmm. to go to Jerusalem. I, I mean, I think we see this time and time again, not only with Paul, but with the other apostles and disciples throughout the book of Acts, it's 
you know, the Holy Spirit just like flying and they're hanging on doing whatever, where you know, wherever the Spirit is leading them. And like you were just talking about that he's going to go to Jerusalem and he doesn't know what awaits him, except the Holy Spirit keeps telling me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. I mean, Lord, let that be my, like, that's my prayer. Like, Lord, Amen. Yeah. get me to a place where I can honestly say that, that my life is worth nothing unless I use it for finishing the work that the Lord has given me. Well, and I, I find it really interesting. So at the end, Paul says, uh, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just talks about, I showed you any, he, he's like, I didn't demand anything from you. I didn't ask you to do anything for me, but it was all for you. And I just, I, as you were saying that, I'm like, that, that's a life mission in itself to live a life, which is people first in a culture where I think often it's what can you do for me? And if you can do something for me, then I will do something for you. But what Paul's race shows us is he is just so people first in his actions and in his mission where he's like, I, I am not asking anything of you in return, but I am going to give of myself motivated by the mercy and grace, which God gave me. Yeah. And he talks about working hard. And I I mean, I think it's interesting. I don't remember what chapter it's in, but he was uh, he was staying with tent makers and he had training in that. And so he was working during the week and then teaching on the Sabbath. And that stuck out to me because often we just see him teaching. We don't at least I wasn't noticing the times where we see him working hard. We see and he says, you know, he worked to supply. I worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those that were with me. And he was preaching and teaching and leading mm-hmm. on top of, I mean, there was, he was, yeah, there was just so much that he was doing. Well, it's just a, a lot of the behind the scenes of mm-hmm. Paul's ministry. When I think often, when I think of ministry, it's like, oh no, it's, it's the Sunday morning stuff. It's right. the preaching, the all like that is the ministry portion. But one of the things that I know that Mill City has talked about a lot is no, no, no. Like ministry is what God is doing in your everyday spaces. You know, you, you might be building tents and God is doing like ministry in that task or, or in that mission that he's called you to. It's not just a Sunday morning thing. It's all the behind the scenes stuff where God is moving and where God is inviting us to join in the work that the spirit is doing. Yes. And the day to day, like what feel can feel like the monotony of the day to day. Exactly. Work. Yeah. Is there anything else from chapter 20 that you want to make sure that we talk about? I think one of the things in the Utica story, which really stood out to me was, so, so Paul is taking that time to encourage and comfort the people. And when Eutychus falls from the window and he dies and then he rises again, I was wondering why, why is that story in there? Um, and almost reading with imagination, what, what could this story have accomplished? And it brought me back to uh, when I would be at camp and I was, I would tell what we call the big God story Mm -hmm. uh, to the kids. And we would talk about Jesus's resurrection. And one of the things that we said was when Jesus defeated death, he showed that not even death was stronger than him. And he showed that he was a God who was greater than anything that we could face. And I almost wonder when Eutychus dies and, and, and Jesus uses Paul to raise Eutychus from the dead, I wonder how that comforted the people of Troos. I think that is the place that he's preaching yes, the sermon. Yep. But I, I wonder if people realized, wow, we might be facing hardship, but what we just witnessed was a God who could even raise the dead. Mm. Um, and 
that God could raise the dead, then there's nothing in my life that God is not greater than and that God is not stronger than. And we can hold on to that God wherever we go. And, and even as I was thinking, wow, we've been through a pandemic and we've been through all these things that are just so overwhelming and just so it, when you look at it, you're like, how can I get through this? Um, and what is the hope I can hold on to? And I look at the story of Eutychus and I'm just like, wow, I mean, if Jesus could raise someone from the dead and if Jesus could defeat death, then I know that the thing that I'm facing, I know that the God that I have my hope in, I know that that God is stronger uh, than the thing that I'm facing and that that God will hold me and, and get me through it. I'm going to leave that as the last word. That was so good. Thank you so much, Ashish, for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you, Angela, for having me on. Thank you for joining us for Acts Chapter 20. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And we'll see you next time for Acts Chapter 21. The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted, produced, and edited by Angela Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more information at MyFaithRadio.com. 